This is Corolla Digital. Hi, folks. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And this week, on This Week with Larry Miller, I describe to you how there's no such thing as a free breakfast. Even when it's free, it's not free. Listen to us through iTunes or the free Adam Carolla app. We'll see you here. It's time for this week's CarCast with your host, Adam Carolla, and moderator, Matt D'Andrea. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. No choice but to get it on. Mandate. Get it on. And thank you so much for checking out the CarCast, everybody. We do appreciate it. Glad to have you on board. And, uh... You like cars, or you know somebody who likes cars. You have a friend who likes cars. You turn them on to this show, and they can come join the party. Good to see you, Matt DeAndrea. How are you? I'm doing well. Busy, yeah. running around, spending yeah. a lot of time in my car, driving to Dana Point and back, doing contractor shows. I know. I know you're the only one working on that show. The rest of us aren't here, but the rest of us are suffering from your schedule. <laughs> yes, because I'm a prick, <laughs> and because I have to constantly be somewhere. It's and we it's have rough. To juggle I get everything around. So much stuff going on. Well, Next, you know it, it, what I do, and um, you know, I, I don't know. Since we're talking about cars, let's talk about things you can do in your car. Um, I work on my book, which is due the beginning of the year. The first of the year, eh, maybe they'll give me to the second. Like I'll be hung over yeah. on the first. Um, Is there a ticket you can get for writing a book while driving? Um, they don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about because I'm talking to Mike Lynch, who's in Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's sitting there, and he's reading the chapters to me, and it's like, <laughs> it's the stupidest thing in the world. It's, it's like <laughs> I'm sitting in a beautiful Jaguar. I'm stuck in traffic on the five. He's reading the chapter, or at least the part, the, uh, you know, I'm running for president in this book, and it, the weights and measurements chapter, and he's talking about the one where I want the water displacement for everyone's penis, <laughs> and then I want the windbreaker made up, not with how much water you displaced, but your ranking. Okay. And I was saying to him, well, there's a uh, hundred... <clears throat> There's a hundred, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, what is there, 320 million people in the United States, you know? Yeah. So I figure a little less than half of that are male, but what percentage of that or what numbers over 18? So I just figured, you know, 100 million plus males over 18. Okay. We all take the test. Okay. And uh, (laughs) you go into the graduated cylinder, you displace the water, then you get the windbreaker, and the last... Uh, week in June, everyone has to wear their windbreaker that entire week. And the guys that are in the single digit clubs, they're making, they're doing the talk show circuits and stuff. But the conversation is funny because I'm sitting in traffic on the five looking at um, Disneyland's Matterhorn to my left, which means I'm <laughs> right. still a long way from home, especially since I'm moving four miles an hour and it's starting to rain now. Yeah. And I got to get to the, 
studio and interview Penn Jillette at uh, whatever time, blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking to Mike Lynch, who's sitting at his computer in Lowell, and I'm saying, Mike, don't say lower the, lower yourself down with your dick through a hole in, in, in <laughs> aluminum. That doesn't make sense. Let's say you lay on the aluminum, put your dick through the hole, and then have the graduated cylinder rise up. That makes more sense because then the next sentence you say, everybody'd be forced to lay on this thing, but that's not lower down. It's like right. just d- right. the dumbest conversation. He's not thinking about the mechanics of how He's to. He's not working out the mechanics. <laughs> but here's the thing every day, thousands of young males turn 18 and would thus need to be measured again. So there's always a lot of intrigue to see who's holding that number one jacket. You know what I mean? Right. That's a big you, – you want to talk about a big TV event. <laughs> Every year we do the re-ranking and the unveiling, and that guy becomes a national hero. Awesome, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing in the three hours it takes me to get from uh, Dana Point. Do you have that conversation there. on speakerphone with the windows down? <laughs> it's like I just windows <laughs> up, speaker phone, heat seater on. Yeah. Uh heat seater. Seat heater. I always say that. Uh anyway, uh that's what I do. And then the next day when it's time to head down to uh the Bevmo and I have to sign all the labels, Mike August drives yeah. and I sit in the car and I signed uh I don't know, five hundred Mangria labels. labels. So you're going to be in your car. You're going to be in traffic. You could play games like count the U-Hauls and punch your sister in the arm kind of games. But it's, you know, unless, unless you know, we're not working where we're having to till soil and, and, right. and farm anymore. You can get a lot of business done. All my phone calls are done in the car. Pop in a headset, do all my phone calls. Right. And every single time Matt says to me, uh, Joe Dickwad from podcast you've never heard of wants an interview with you he's a huge fan i always go uh all right we're going to the glendora bevmo that takes an hour take an hour friday tell him friday four fifteen. right and then i'm just sitting in a car yeah poor mike august has heard me do two hundred thousand hours worth of interviews while he just drove the car thank yeah. god he's uh more reptile than man otherwise it would drive him insane <laughs> Well, we, we, when we did that drive up to Monterey, not this past year, maybe it was the year before, you were doing PR for your for your book, and you're like, "All right, everybody, be quiet for the first three hours." And it just I, interviews the whole time. I and did 300 phone. I did 30. I did a radio tour from the passenger seat, and literally just did. There's some crazy woman on the stations. other line, right. and she's just like, "Stand by for this guy. Stand by for this guy. Stand by for this guy." And right. it's like, it's cool, but. But we heard the same exact thing 40, 50 times because yes. it's, a, you know, it's like you're saying it's a radio tour. It's not one interview. But anyway, that's that's, yeah. that's your life, buddy. Th- that's my life. And now it's yours as well. Next week, I am going to be at the SEMA show. Mm. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the biggest SEMA show. It's a million square feet, over 2,500 vendors, 130,000 people are going to show up. Like it's really, really growing. It's going to be So huge. they they have... The SEMA show has grown every year for the last 40 years or pretty much we like, figured out when you know, it when, started. When the economy tanked, it But, it, it, yeah, it, it flattened out a little bit in yeah. 08, 09 or whatever, and yeah. rightfully so. People couldn't buy triple chrome brush 
guards truck for their trucks. <laughs> yeah. A, a bunch of accessory shit that would piss yeah. your wife off that you'd buy for your car. Yeah. Uh, when you when when uh, when you wanted to uh, deck out your Ford F two fifty like the Fall Guys truck, she was not going to let you do that. <laughs> By the way, in the pantheon of cars, I see done up. I see first and foremost Starsky and Hutch. See the Starsky and Hutch Grand Torino done up around L A. a lot. Yeah. I see the uh, A team van done yep. up. Yeah, I wrote. Port- I've been in one. Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> Fall guy truck is something that someone could tip a cap to every now and again. I would enjoy it. I don't think the rest of the neighborhood. Yeah. I don't think like you, you wouldn't drive through our, you know, Glendale and have a bunch of 22 year old Armenians going, hey, this fall guy. <laughs> <laughs> they just think you're a dick. Right. But I would know. Yeah. I can appreciate that. Fall guy truck. Mm hmm. Hot yeah. truck. Yeah. So it's going to be a nutty show. Uh, Chris is coming with me. For mm. a day or two, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna crank out a couple of uh, interviews for, for yeah for well, uh, carcast. It'll be audio. We'll get a bunch. Basically, of the economy's photos. back. Yeah, and so people are back with their cars. Yeah, it's and gonna be fun. SEMA's going to be bigger than ever. It's gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm hosting videos. I'm hosting a daily video for SEMA that'll be that'll go up every day at the show. And I think their website, their enthusiast website, is enjoythedrive.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. Check those out. But it's gonna be it's gonna be cool. Luke's got himself a BMW 2002. Breaks on a weekly basis. <laughs> Wants to know to give up on his dream. Um, <laughs> weirdest thing I've ever carried an expensive car. Oh, yeah. I've done a lot of that kind of stuff. Uh, eh, let's talk to Luke. Uh, oh, well, let's not talk to Luke. I'll answer Luke. Yeah, these, um, are, uh, these are Facebook questions, here's, Twitter questions. Here's the thing. Um, when it comes to driving an old car, it's going to break down. And if you're going to have it as your primary source of transportation, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. Right. Um, if, in fact, it's a car that you can either drive over to the uh, Cars and Coffee or not drive, depending on whether the fuel pump's working or not this week, or what have you, uh, then it, it takes all the pressure off it, and you don't count on it. Right. It just becomes pleasurable. Yeah. At that point. So the more the more you drive these older cars, the more you start leaning toward making some of the modifications that make it more of a modern car. The, some of the brakes and steering and things like that. Uh, you can see. Like, it's easy to go, look. It doesn't look quite right when you pop the hood, but get the electronic fan. That's right. And you, you see Leno's doing a lot of that on his cars. He's putting suspension and big brakes. He takes all the original stuff off. Puts it in a box somewhere, and then he makes them a little more drivable. But like you're saying, if you're just doing like cars and coffee on the weekend, then take your really clean, all original car out for the weekend. But if you got to drive it every day, yeah, you know. and you shouldn't look really just from a safety standpoint. Driving a car from the '70s as a his name was Luke, right? So yeah. I'm assuming he's white because there's never been a Mexican, a black, or an Asian named Luke. You're as a white young male. The statistically, the best way, the easiest way for you to buy it is to buy it on the road Yeah, if you're not in a gang. You know what I mean? <laughs> statistically, right. you're not going to die of you know complications because of a heart valve problem or something when you're a young white male. It's just right. you're going to buy it on the road. So when things out statistically, that's the highest likelihood of you buying it. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to make the. 1970s car with zero airbags and zero crumple zones, your commuter. Right. That's what I'm saying. I feel the same way about 
motorcycles. I think motorcycles are fun and cool and go out on a Sunday with a group of dudes. Yeah. And go up to the uh, rock store, the candy store, whatever it is up there and carve it up. But just driving every day and right. eventually your number's going to come Man, the guys up. that cut through me on traffic because out here you can lane split. I'm jealous of those guys, though, because I used I know, to do but that. it's like, how do they just not bounce off car doors like a pinball? It's just like those guys. I mean, they're good, but they don't. You know what they? You know what I noticed sitting, uh, spending the better part of my life sitting on the five the last few weeks. They don't honk. No, motorcycles don't honk. You know, they throw revs. Yeah, they throw revs. That's, a, that's so much. That's easier. a passive aggressive. Plus, way that's of doing the manly it. way of doing it. When mm-hmm. you get out of the way, they give you a little heads up sometimes. A little mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah. yeah, nah, not anymore. They used to. <laughs> Their dads would do it. Weirdest thing you've ever carried in an expensive car. Most expensive thing. My brother in a super cheap <laughs> car or truck. Um, I have uh, definitely done the thing where I was driving something exotic for a week and pulled up right. to the Home Depot. Well, yeah, you took the Porsche, the the Panamera Turbo S, the like two hundred fourteen thousand dollar, and you bought I don't know mulch or something at. No. Maybe with the Harbor Freight. I went to Harbor Freight and like, <laughs> like Arlita. Like the ghetto Harbor Freight. I literally was pulling up next to 70s and early 80s vintage Toyota and Nissan mini trucks with the gardening cage, the shark yeah, cage of shark gardening cage. tools. So the mini you, truck with the shark cage. With the classic. shark cage full of leaf blowers in there. It's literally slid in between two of those things. Those are going to show up at the Mika auction In my $215,000 car to buy like uh, a, I don't know, a, a cut off a trim router and um, and a random or like a couple of cheap grinders at the yeah. Harbor Freight. And I don't know where the closest, the closest one is like, I don't know, it's our lead. It's like, it's, it's past Pasadena out here. Oh, there's a North Hollywood one, which is equally as dicey. But for some reason I went out to this one Yeah, and I was with my like electric blue Panamera with the twin superchargers on it. But they must've thought I was packing. No one, uh, no one fucked around with me. Um, so that, that would probably, I've it, done it a lot it, of that. It makes it weird because of the statue of the car. Not, not, you didn't buy anything weird really. No, I didn't buy anything weird. Yeah, I feel like this is probably a better question for Ray. <laughs> I feel like Ray carries weird shit. Adam had a bunch of pot brownies in his car the other night. <laughs> oh yeah. That old bucket of pot brownies a guy gave me. And I had that in the trunk of the a Jag. That's to be the one time you get Well, a over. box of pot brownies in the, uh, I threw it in the trunk of the Jag. So I was transporting uh, drugs yeah. that way. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Electronically assisted steering compared to uh, hydraulic or hydro right. assisted. So here's the thing is, is a lot of the cars that we've brought onto the show and you've driven have electronic steering, but you may not even know it yet because it's not something we bring up in most of the shows. But a lot of the new cars, even the new Mustang is electronic steering. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it is. Yeah. And what's interesting is, is I, in my opinion, it. I think it's fine. I think, you know, you get in, you read some of the magazines and the guys that drive these cars and test them all the time. They're like, well, the feedback isn't right and all that stuff. And, and that's true. But for most people, they're not going to notice much of a difference. And the upsell is, is we're trying to take as much load off the engine as possible to increase fuel mileage. Mm-hmm. Mm, uh-huh. So, so you're not meaning the crank is not turning a pump. Right. Which is a couple of horsepower, or in this case, maybe a mile per gallon or something. They're trying to get as much as you possibly can. The crank, well, stop me if I'm wrong, though. You're, you're turning a distributor. The more stuff you run off the distributor, the more 
well, the draws, or you're just running off the battery. The distributor's just right. constantly charging the battery. Maybe it's so all these battery, new cars, two all, batteries. All these new cars have coil-on plug. There's no distributor. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm an alternator. Screw right. Alternator. So you're turning an alternator, but some cars, I think it's BMW that has uh, an alternator disconnect. That uh-huh. It goes on and off, kind of like the start-stop feature of some of the engines today. Yeah, they have that for the alternator that it only needs once it when the it battery's needs it. charged. Right, or if you flip on your stereo and your AC and all a bunch of you know all your crap mm-hmm. in your car, you know, like the start-stop feature. You know, you if you have the air off and you're driving down the street and it's cool out and just the vents open, that start-stop feature goes off and on more often. But once mm-hmm. you have the air turned up and it needs to keep the cool, mm-hmm. the car cool, then Mm-hmm. That that feature doesn't doesn't work as often. They're trying to make it smarter. So electric power steering, I don't have a problem with. I think it's getting a lot better. Drive something like the new Porsche that has electric power steering, and you realize that they're they're getting it dialed in pretty pretty well. And what's cool is is some of the cars like some of the cars that have like sport modes and comfort modes, they can dial in the feedback of that electric power steering now because it's electric. You can, right, you can change. How it feels. So that's kind of cool. And mm-hmm. the aftermarket comes out with, with electric power steering options. So you can take your, your old Lamborghini or your old Mustang, and you can put electric power steering in it, and you can adjust it with a dial on how much feedback that you want, which mm-hmm. is really cool because if you can't package a power steering pump into a vintage car, the electric power steering is a motor that attaches onto the column, and in which case you can probably get power steering in a bunch of, a bunch of vintage cars that you never even think about. They uh, say Chevy... Uh, Jeff has brought this up. Chevy Malibu says it saves 2.5, as much as 2.5, which you always got to look out for because we grew up in an era when it's like this header can add as much as seven horsepower. Yeah, that's it. That's a peak. 10,000 like, RPM. There's, just, there's literally like a 10 RPM zone where it peaks in that and, area. And uh, uh, does dramatically hurt your low end, <laughs> by the way, which they never really explained. Right. But uh, as much as – and uh, owners uh, 12 gallons of fuel per year. So kind of what they do is they go, can save as much, and then they go with some lofty goal, and then they go, and that translates into – and it's like not so fast because it doesn't translate into it because it's not that much. Right. You've done – the spurious math, could, and now you've done the happy total. math. Right. It could total. So they're saying it's 2.5% better fuel mileage on the Malibu because of electric power steering. Yeah, well, let me say this, okay, everybody. I don't have a problem with I, it. Look, w- look, you take this, you take this kind of stuff, you take front hood vents that close automatically for aerodynamic purposes yeah. once you're at speed and you don't need the air passing through. Obviously, when you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic like I am and going to the fucking Dana Point, you need your vents open, but at speed. So somebody goes, well, what's that add up to be? It's like, I don't know, 1% or 2%, you know? Well, what's the electronic thing? 1% or 2%. Well, what's using a synthetic oil that has, you know, that that lets parts move easier and more freely? Yeah. What's that add up to be? I don't know, 1% or 2%. Or 2%. Well, <laughs> if you say that about 15 times, eventually you arrive at a number. That's right. And that number is significant. Right. And that's the way math works, kiddies. <laughs> so what does this all little stuff have to do? No, nothing. Put it all together. Yeah. Now we're looking at 15%, and now we're saving some money. I, I mean, even on the start-stop feature that annoys the hell out of me, the Lamborghini Aventador with its giant naturally aspirated 12-cylinder, the new one has cylinder deactivation for half the engine. Wow. 
It doesn't. It, it doesn't shuts go, off six of the cylinders. It's the front half or the back half. It's. I think it's staggered, or uh-huh. maybe it's side to side, and it does like an inline. It can't six. go now. But but it, it can't just slant over to one side. It it'll change from bank to bank every two minutes to, uh-huh. to keep the wear evenly on the uh, on the engine. Uh. Jesus I don't Christ. know what it, what does it get from like from eleven miles to the gallon to twelve twelve five, Ooh, but that, percentage wise, that's probably huge. <laughs> well, look, when you're only getting eleven, yeah. and you can get to twelve and a half, you're ten percent. You yeah. know, it's perfect. All right, uh, Victor wants to know uh, the Cortina GT, I like that car, uh, or the Fiat one thirty five. Remember those better than the five ten of their era. Uh, the Fiat one thirty five is like the fastbacky Fiat. Is that the, or is that the box Fiat? Does they have a fat? They did a kind of fastbacky one that looks sort of like that BMW right. 2002 fastbacky one. I have to find a picture of that one. I'm not well, the that fi- hip on the, the Fiat. The 510 has been growing on me because you you know you own a bunch and and I'm staring at it. I'm like I kind of like the boxy style to it. Uh, so the Fiat, that's not the 135. Yeah, well, fine. I think the Fiat 135 is just a box Fiat. But anyway. They had they sold a lot of those back in the day. Cortina, not so much over here. I like the Cortina. I like the Fiat. Um, look, they are all. I think they're all shit outside of race trim. Otherwise, they're just econo boxes yeah. in non-race trim. Yeah. When you see the five ten without the slight little fender flares to it and the low stance and the the wide wheels, then you're like, eh. Yeah, but it's meant to be because eh, yeah. the, the you know the base price was thirteen hundred dollars in nineteen seventy one, and it was meant to get you. I mean, you could literally get. You think about it, how far ahead of the game were the Japanese? Here they are. I don't know. Uh, you guys can help me figure this out, but I don't know when a four door five ten that a five ten wagon too, but like a four door five ten. 69, I don't know, when they started importing it to the States, uh-huh. 68, 69, 70, I don't know, probably did the two-door for a couple of years and then the four-door. But here you are with a four-door car. It costs next to nothing. It's bulletproof. I mean, just that yeah. L18 or that L1600 motor is just unbreakable. And you're getting great mileage. You have a totally reliable car. You can put four adults in it. And America's cranking out the Matador and That's just right. big, big old piles of gas guzzling shit with V8s that aren't doing anything. And meanwhile, these little econo boxes are going out and chewing up, chewing up the world. World's best car for two, a $2,000 car. That was a Datsun ad. That was a Datsun ad back in who knows yeah. when. Well, it says groovy in big letters on top. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say 69. But um, I, I wasn't alive. It's a $2,000 car that'll get you everywhere that's bulletproof. And, you know, obviously there's been safety innovations and things like that. But I don't know that there's that many cars, you know, these days. This is this is 1960s technology. You know, you're still getting great mileage back in the day. You still have crazy reliability. You still have... Some safety worked into the uniframe and stuff like yeah. that, unibody. You have a very good piece of engineering for a very cheap pr- price for a young family that, you know, it rivals some of the cars from today. And that's what the Japanese were doing you back in, in the day. It rivals them as value. Yeah. 
Uh, by the way, uh, in 2012, that car would be twelve thousand dollars, basically. So, it'd be so about- 1969, it was two grand. Today, it would be twelve grand. Yeah. Can you get anything for twelve grand now? Um, I, what, I, what would I, be like a base Ford Ford Festiva Fiesta? Or Fiesta. <laughs> Fuck, they need both. <laughs> You're still in the 80s. All right, Ford. <laughs> Fiesta, maybe a base Fiat 500, like a stripped Fiat 500. I feel like they're like sixteen thousand, but maybe I was behind a Toyota Yaris because I took oh, yeah, I yeah. took note because the motherfucker was in the left lane, and I was like, <laughs> "Really, buddy? It's not even fast enough to be in the left lane. There's no way, even downhill in the wind, it would not be fast enough." My like, refrigerator and oven costs more than your car, <laughs> and yet you insist on being in the left lane. Which is it? Which is it, Ducho? Yeah, maybe the Yaris. I, like I said, I remember the Fiesta. We talked to the Ford people about maybe starting at eleven five or something. But once you get the thing out the door, you gotta be, you gotta be above something. Av- you know, average is between sixteen and twenty two on the Fiat. I don't know. Again, yeah. I don't. Maybe they advertise something at twelve and a half or something like that. But either way, it's gonna roll over. Uh, so I just got this, uh, this where one. is my 135 Fiat? Is that just the yeah. box Fiat? I think it is. I can't remember my, I, I can't remember if the Fiat 135 is just that pure boxed Fiat or not. Anyway, you just got what? Uh, our, our buddy Dan, uh, Edmonds is out at the track. He was supposed to come in here today. He's out at the track testing cars. You have an Audi A7. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's out there testing the new RS7. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give the numbers away, but I think he said it just beat the new Corvette in the quarter mile. <laughs> wow. That's how fast that fucking Audi is. <laughs> um, well, you know me. I love Audis, and yeah. I like to talk shit about Corvette. That's about four-wheel drive. I, I believe so. All-wheel drive. Yeah. And, right there. And, just, and turbo. Turbo is just good no, low I mean, obviously, torque. And, no, no, no. You need the horsepower to back it up. Yeah. But I think if, if that Audi beat... The new vet in the yeah. quarter mile, uh, the vet, the vet, yeah, the vet yeah. weighs less, mm-hmm. right? Uh, ha- absolutely. I mean, the the vet must with all the shit the vet's made out of. Yeah, it weighs less. The vet's got to weigh five hundred and fifty pounds less than that car. That's an all wheel drive, yeah, you know, autobahn, whatever. And the vet's got seventy five horsepower. Probably. I don't know which vet they got out there. Maybe 50 horsepower. Well, I don't the vet, know. The vet's like 450 horse. Oh, oh, it's a 450. It's not the R. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's no, not the just Z. the new C7 vet, oh, okay. which is fast. And it's a great car. Hopefully, we'll get one in here. But, oh, okay. But it's amazing then, to so see the Audi. It's given up. Go. So now, I'll revise that statement. The R, is that a V8 then in the Audi? The, the Audi, I believe, is a new twin turbo okay. eight-cylinder. So the vet's given up 500, uh, sorry, given up 50 horsepower or maybe 60 Right. And, Jeff, you can look it up. The new RS7. But it's picking up. It, it's, but it's, it's also 500 horsepower. But what's – and that's impressive. But what's doing it in the quarter mile, I think, is the all-wheel drive and yeah. the hookup. I'll bet you that Audi we'll launches. We'll find out. We'll, we'll get Dan in here. We'll find yeah. out. Yeah. I, I would predict that at the you know 500-foot mark, yeah. the Audi's ahead and the vet starts pulling it. As, oh, it, sure. as it starts cr- getting to the quarter mile. Yeah, yeah. And, and if that thing were a half mile, the vet might take it. Either way, right. that's pretty bitching that you can no, buy a that, four That's door. cool. I mean, we were talking earlier even about the, the new Jaguar, the XJR, the big one. 
Mm-hmm. The big one weighs, I think, a little less than your XFR because it's all aluminum. Mm-hmm. And with the 550 horse engine, it does zero to 60 in like four seconds flat. And that's the biggest jag in their lineup, basically. It's four seconds, <laughs> which is awesome. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's got to have like 15-inch pizza pan discs. Right. Because how, how do you stop a 4,500-pound You run in the back of a semi. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. There's we the got Fiat. The, we got the so Fiat I, 125. I one, 135 was a typo because I'm not finding 135 model oh. anywhere. Was there a, a BMW 135 that I'm uh, There's a recent one. Making up? Oh, that's the recent one. Yeah, yeah that's the new the one, one series. series. Yeah. Right. Okay. And they have a two series and a four series. It's getting right. nuts. Listen, don't ask me. I like the fucking five ten. Obviously, that's my car. <laughs> race that car. I like those cars. Yeah. Um, Jeff needs a five ten wagon. He's kind of the wagon master uh, yeah. of the five ten wagon. Yeah. Be uh, awesome. Uh, um. Someone wants to know fastest either of you have ever driven. Not Legally? that fast. Yeah, I've never done one of those. You know, close the road runs. I've done the. I'm driving the DB9 to Palm Springs. Let's 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 let those ponies run free for yeah. half a mile. But I'm so freaked out over the cops. You know, but I got up to like 135 or 140 or when something. When you're like that. when you're in your race car in one of the big cars, I mean, you're going 130. Yeah, plus? if I could, if 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 I ever take a big car to Fontana. If you get out on the oval, then you get out on the oval. Then, then you're going to see 160 in that car. I did some laps in a stock car on the oval out there, Mm -hmm. and they kind of limited what we were allowed to do. But I was doing about 145 up there. Now it's different. Like you can get in a street car, and I can blast down Wilshire Boulevard in the middle of the night in an R8 Mm -hmm. and hit 130 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But getting on the track and doing it in a race car and everything's shaking and vibrating and all this noise and doing 140 or something, that's kind of mm-hmm. fun. It's fun to do. Well, When you're I, in a car, I, you can't hear shit outside. Look, you're in a new Jag and you can't hear anything. I wanna, it's I wanna, different. Here's the thing. Everybody, sensation of speed, your experience of speed. Um, if you travel in... Uh, commercial airlines, I've said this many times, you go 560 miles an hour, but it's nothing. It feels like nothing. Yeah. You feel it on the takeoff. You get pushed back in your seat. Right. And you feel it on the landing a little bit. But once you're at cruising altitude, you're walking around taking a piss, having a Bloody Mary playing a right. video game. So Have that, you ever gone 60 mile an hour in a boat? Right. That's, that's nuts. That's you feel like you're doing 100 and you're bouncing off the water and it feels like you're right. bouncing off of you go, to, you go to outer space, you can go 17,000 miles an hour and have nothing. Have fun chasing your toothpaste around. Pee, pee in a tube. And pee in a tube, yes. <laughs> so it's nothing. By the way, I don't know, what's the uh, how many miles an hour is the Earth spinning at? Is it, uh, depending on where you are. I guess if you're on the equator... You're 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 moving at thousands of miles an hour, or, or at least into the you know thirteen hundred miles an hour, whatever it is. If you live in Ecuador, do you feel it? No, you don't feel it. So I do. Wh- <laughs> I lose my balance all the time when you're in Ecuador. <laughs> yeah, what? Only when I'm in Ecuador. What is speed? Speed is the sensation of being pushed back in said chair or boat or shopping yeah. cart or whatever you're in or on. Uh, it's 1,070 miles an hour. 
as the Earth's Earth's rotation. We're hauling ass right we're, now. We're hauling ass. Anyone feel it? Or we're just going to have another hit off my coffee cup. <laughs> that's the point. Um, it's the sensation. And that's what I always say. Look, when you're in that Datsun 510 and there's no windows in the thing and you're rattling all over the place. Yeah. Or especially in the Roadster and there's no windshield. Yeah. And you have drum brakes and a live axle and leaf rings and the things fighting you all the way and no power or anything. And the brake feels like just you're pushing against a cinder block wall. That's a sensation. And when you're coming up on somebody at, at 140 who's doing 120 – it happens very quickly. It happens a lot quicker than you think it does. Yes. So the 20 miles an hour, which may not sound like uh, too much, is huge. And I can tell you that if you do one of those races at like Laguna Seca and you're averaging 136 in your laps and there's a guy who's averaging 132, when he's passing you, he's passing you fast. Yeah. That's four seconds on a, on a course that's 2.3 miles long. That's a long circle. He's only doing it four seconds a lap faster than you. He is crushing you. He's coming up fast in right. your in your. So what is speed? I don't <laughs> know, but I'll, I know it when I feel it. That, uh, that would be the answer yeah, to that. Yeah, when it scares you. When that's it scares right. you, then you're going fast. All right. One last uh, question. Cody's got a question. Why don't you read that? It's long. Cody says, I'm interested in getting an F1 car as an investment slash track day car to do a local Miller Motorsports track. I think that's the one in Colorado, Utah. My question is, what decade What decade do you suggest is the best get for your bang for your buck or return in your investment down the line? That's a tough question for me because I don't do a lot of like window shopping for vintage F1 I cars. Do. So I keep there an you eye go. on that stuff. <laughs> Um, there's an era that you like, but he's saying what's best investment. Well, I, I, I think probably because of the movie rush and this is my own personal preference to me, the sweet spot in, in F1 would probably be, you know, 69 to 79, you know, right in there. I'm trying to think of when right. they, st- you know, there was a point when the things just look like formula V's or, or what have you. And then at yeah. a certain point, they started getting some really big barrels on there, and the John Player special showed up, and the Elf uh-huh. showed up, and I they started making those changes in the very probably the late late sixties, early seventies. Then once you get past eighties, they get into a different kind of front end and a different kind of downforce system and wing and things like that. Yeah, and it got a little it got a little too far. To me, the sweetest spot is like seventy six, just right. right in the middle. There, yeah. and we see it. We see a handful of those at, at some of the vintage races and shows we go to. I mean, you could you could buy what you think is cool, which one you like the best, and you want to drive. And if it's really an investment car, it's no different than buying any other classic vintage car or anything else. You want to. Find the best deal. And in the case of a race car, does it have any race history? How many were made? Find me a car from 69, Jeff. Uh, I, I would say probably based on Rush and, you know, again, who drove the car, what was the team, right. what was the livery, so on and so forth. Obviously, if you could find a John Player Special Lotus or an Elf car or something like that, but all those are spoken right. for in some museum somewhere for the most part. But, um, like, the car... That uh, James Hunt drove in, I don't know, the 1982 season or something is is up for 
Yeah, 69 is probably just a little early for me. I'd probably go more like 72 through 79. But again, the sweet spot being 75, 76, 77. Right. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a good investment. Obviously, that's a mechanically difficult car. Right. I mean, I don't, you know, look, it'd be great to get a Ferrari V12 and blah, blah, blah. But for me, I'd be thinking more of a Cosworth, you know, right. style you, thing that if, would be a little easier to work on or what have if you. If Cody is going to drive it a little bit and take it to some some track days and stuff, then just know that every time you go, a V12 has twice as many parts to break than the V6 or anything like that, right? Yeah, so. I'm trying to think. And I don't know a ton about uh, F1, but um, I do know, you know, Cosworth was building engines. And I don't think... I don't think there were many four-cylinders out there or even V6s. I don't know. I think Cosworth was running a V8. We'd have to figure it out. I'd be I'd be curious because I just didn't know that much. I know Ferrari had a V12 and things like that. But I'd say the uh, to me the 70, 71, 72 through, yeah. the, through 79, and then it starts getting somewhere around early 80s, it starts going south. I'd, I'd be me. curious to know about the engines. When did they start going into turbos and things like that? I'm yeah. I'm curious what engines like in 1976. Like Cosworth yeah, was doing what a V8. Was the F1 engine and who was and and I don't even know what the rules were. There was probably simply. I'm guessing back in the day there was probably just a displacement cap. Right. But and, who did everybody build their own engines then, or was like Cosworth the main supplier? Like today, there's you know a handful of engine builders, and like Indy has what two. Two or three engine builders. Honda's building engines. I Chevy think, and Honda, I think. I think Chevy and Honda are building engines mm-hmm. now. Right. Or Indy or and those Honda's got to bring an engine back. Twin but. turbocharged V6s, I think they they said. Small displacement, like 2.2, 2.4, something like that. Yeah. All right. Where the hell were we? Ah, yes. You can look into the motors. I'm going to look into one of our fine new sponsors. Ta-da. You like shopping online? Hmm? It's convenient, right? You like the discounts? But the coupon codes, they don't work. Damn it. You know what it's like. You go oh, online, you find some car parts, you go to the coupon code, and uh, I am a frugal shopper, my friend. No I need the do. coupons. Well, listen, anybody who drives a Pathfinder that a tree landed on has to <laughs> has to count their nickels. That's you know, right. You, you, you bitch about it, but now you want that Pathfinder. I, I for need the, the motor. Ed- for the motor. I need the but block. But I sold it. What? Yep. Use ta-da, T-A-D-A dot com. They, uh, they'll tell you when the coupon was last used and verified by the buyer, so it's going to actually work this time. And uh, whatever you like, Advanced Auto Parts, TireBuyer.com, CarParts.com, any, car anything. Over 6,000 stores, electronics, clothes, vitamins, pet gear. I don't even know what the hell pet gear is, but I don't pet want gear. it. Yeah, you got to get gear for your pets. Everything you need, you get online. When they go to battle. And the coupon codes they represent actually work. So check out Tada today. Tada.com and start saving. Tada.com is the easiest way to save for your online purchase. Anyway, Google Tada.com and uh, watch the doors of life open for you. <laughs> Once again, just hit Google and go TADA.com. Just Google it. Tada.com and uh, let the savings begin. Also, uh, you can uh, check out the uh, eBay. 
Yeah. That's right. eBayMotorsBlog.com. Check that out. Yeah. And uh, you can go to the Amazon banner and hit the CarCast show and, uh, you know, click through. Show us a little love. Contribute through the PayPal at carcastshow.com throw a couple bucks we throw a little knowledge your way throw a couple bucks our way man yeah. keep this party going i know I you go guys to SEMA next week like the show yeah you yeah, gotta, gotta buy a plane ticket you gotta get a hotel room well make it motel but either way how about it sleeping in the pathfinder <laughs> <laughs> we're on a budget yeah ebay motors man i got my blog up there yeah. and um it's got um oh yeah we gotta talk about that for a second real quick and uh, you can check out my blog, or you can go to ebaymotorsblog.com, and you can just go to the app and check it out, man. I was just on eBay looking at some street lamps the other night. <laughs> yeah. I look at car parts. I just look at everything. Street I like, lamps. I wanna, street lamps. A munis- L.A. municipal street lamps from the 30s that some guy is okay. selling and are like you, more are you Are you in the market? I'm uh, put in a bid. Okay. Put in a bid. All right. It's not met, not met his lofty goals yet, but we'll figure <laughs> that one out. We'll come together. All right. Uh, also, our good friend Hal Needham passed away, and he just passed away October 25th. And the guy was a paratrooper during the Korean War. Uh, he was a tree topper. He was... <laughs> This guy was a stunt man and a producer and a guy who worked with, you know, Burt Reynolds and he did all the, you know, he did all the hoopers and the uh, gumball rallies and mm-hmm. all the, uh, all the uh, smoking the bandit. I mean, I don't know if he started Stunts Unlimited. Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. He's just a pioneer and just one of these guys that won't be replaced by today's new brand of puss who's coming up to take his place. Yeah. He's just old school. He's Hal Needham. He, as a matter of fact, in, in a weird way, uh, I don't think Hal Needham could understand the society we're, we're living in now with the, you know, all the anti-bullying campaigns and the, you, you know, uh, you know, uh, click it or ticket and all this other bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's probably happy. He's gone. <laughs> he's Good. Gone. Done. Either way, uh, he's an, Unbelievable American, and uh, he will be missed. All right. We have a uh, car yeah. out in the parking lot. Yeah, we, we got uh, a new Lexus. New Lexus? Let's check it out. Prototype. Let's go check it out. Hey, everyone. It's me, Allison, from Allison Rosen is your new best friend. On Thursday, Gary and Chris got along better than ever. It's not like I stopped in the middle lane. No, but there could have been someone coming down I'm, the right I'm hand lane. I'm aware of my surroundings. I, I can know if I can make that turn or not. But the person behind you is not expecting a turn from the middle lane. It, it, affects, it affects their commute in no way if I turn right in front of them. What if they weren't paying attention? They had to slam on their no, brakes and you their caused fault. a fender bender. That's their fault. That, ooh, I get money. Sweet. Was there someone <laughs> behind you? Yeah. No. Yes, there was. It was fucking, it was La Brea at 655 on a weeknight. That just happened. And then on Monday, I sat down with Michael Showalter from the state, Wet Hot American Summer, and a ton of others, and he told this story. So every time we had a meeting with James Dixon, it was us, it was 11 people and James Dixon. (laughs) Um, And we would always be in the conference room, and we would be talking about some project or another, and we were talking about something and, and I was asking questions, you know, wanting to know, wanting to get specification on one thing or another. And he said, hey, hey, this is show business, not show Walter, okay? <laughs> uh, 
Subscribe to Allison Rosen is your new best friend on iTunes or go to AllisonRosen.com. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I love you. Allison's your new best friend. Well, Matt, what did you bring yeah. us today? This is the 2014 Lexus IS350. Now, you had the ISF, which we really love that car. Mm -hmm. This is the next evolution of that car. Completely new platform, uh, and it is an amazing car. Like, for me, I just thought it was such a pleasure to drive, and I just recently got it. This mm -hmm. is actually a pre-production prototype. I think the cars are actually being delivered into the dealers now, but this one that the media's been using is a bit of a prototype. It's a little bit longer on the wheelbase, which gives it a little bit smoother ride compared to the last generation. The uh, suspension's dialed in to be a little bit smoother to take advantage of a much stiffer structure. Mm -hmm. So they can be much more precise on it. But as this car sits, this thing is amazing. It's got a 306 horsepower V6. It's basically a carryover from the previous generation, but it moves this car to zero to 60 in 5.5 seconds. Wow. And this isn't the crazy super fast like yeah, ISF this version. Is, this is the big, this is the, sort of the base yeah the uh, lines of the car i think of uh it, it's one of those things like you're gonna love it or you're gonna hate it i kind of like it what they're doing on the tail section it's got a little of the new cadillac in it to some degree uh, the, um it's got that spindle grill we saw on the gs right and if these daytime running lights give you that lexus logo in the light right the l i mean obviously they're flipped on different sides but it's a really kind of a, a neat car. I'll tell you one of the things that I like about this car is I like, talked about this before, the tire that has the half-inch oh, stuffed The rim the protector or whatever. Because every car I have, the tires are stretched and the rims are scuffed and I love that notion. I mean, it should be mandatory. When all these cars start coming with nice rims and they're powder coated and they got the you know, uh, they got the smoked chrome on there yeah. and then immediately scuff city usa i i love that and this is looks like to be a pearl white the the interior is even an upgrade from before i mean they really stepped up the luxury to it i think it's gorgeous on the inside yeah um, and, is, and keep in mind a... this is this is like the three series competitor or the c-class mercedes so this isn't a hundred thousand dollar vehicle this is that this is the money maker for them because this is the one that they'll sell tons of. It, you know, the competitor and, for the three series, this is the car. And this is not going to exist in a coupe, right? It's going to be a four door? I think it's only going to be a four door, except the previous generation, they did a convertible hardtop, which was a two door. Right. So they sort of made the coupe and the convertible sort of all in one. Right. Maybe they'll do that again. I'd love to see this as an ISF with right. something like 450 horsepower. Yeah, they'll do something like that. I'm, I'm sure I they will. Uh, eventually, is it a? It's automatic six speed. Um, it's. I think this one is seven speed. Look out! <laughs> this one goes to eleven. It goes to eleven. Uh, and I uh, think the base price is going to be right about a three series. Yeah, it's about forty grand, and this one, as it sits with a few options, is around forty-five thousand. Mm -hmm. But for forty-five thousand, I think it's. This is this is a great car. That longer wheelbase that we're talking about that gives a little bit smoother ride, gives yeah. you more room in the back seat. Yeah, it uh, for a car that does not look very big on the outside, it uh, has plenty of room in the rear seat. I love the vented seats. 
And I heated love, and cooled. Oh heated man, and I love cooled. the cooled seats. And I just love how uh, everything is so. Uh, the seats. It's funny because they're almost old school. They almost remind me of an old 911. Where seats, ever since the the Supra started coming into their crazy lumbar supports and side bolstering stuff, started getting crazy. They're now starting to smooth them out mm -hmm. a little bit, and where it looks like there's plenty of lateral support, they're not screaming at you. Yeah, and in your face with it. They uh, uh, getting in them. It's it's a, it's a pleasure to drive. Like it's really just the fun for the smaller four door luxury sedan that's out there. All right, so if you're this thinking awesome. about an Audi A4. A4 or a 335 BMW. Right. Maybe the Cadillac, uh, maybe the ATS. Right. Um, this is definitely something worth looking at as well. All right, so and now. You wanna oh. fire it up? Let's fire oh it. yeah, let's fire it up. I'll you do it, I'll go around back. All right. Got a little little throat to it. Yeah, you know, it, like I said, it, without being, you know, the sixty-five thousand dollar version, like the M version or the AMG version, mm -hmm. this not being the ISF, zero to sixty in five and a half seconds, still gets twenty-six miles per gallon on the freeway. Listen, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Porsche nine twenty-eight S in nineteen ninety-one probably did it in six. Oh yeah, four. Yeah, you know, this thing I, runs like 14 ones. Like the fastest Mustang in the 90s couldn't break 14 0. Right. <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. So until next time, this is Adam Corolla for Matt, the motorator, DeAndrea saying keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel.